Okay, good morning, church. And that includes all of you out there in your living rooms and wherever you are. Bless the Lord. Okay, I've asked Katie to join me in the beginning of this message. We uh, were talking with our daughter this past week and checking in with her to make sure she's behaving. As I've said many times, she was our toughest child. I hope she's not listening, but anyway, (laughs) she turned into a, a beautiful follower of our Lord Jesus Christ. Kelly shared with us what she had experienced in her workplace. She works for an organization that reaches out to unwed mothers and mothers in need in their city in very serious situations of addictions, alcoholism, drugs, those kind of things, but they also have children. And so our daughter has been called to that ministry, and she shared with us, and we thought this would be very appropriate for the message I'm preaching today. So Katie will read this to you. Yeah, Ron was very... um right away said, oh, this fits with the message I'll be giving tomorrow. And then the song that we just sang, Lord, speak to me that I may speak in living echoes of your tone. And this is what Kelly was sharing with us. And she said the Lord had really spoken to her through Romans 12, 12. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, persistent in prayer. And she said, especially the Lord had spoken to her, be joyful in hope, because she works with these young women and many unbelievably hard situations. And she hopes for them, she's praying for them to be joyful in that means you really are trusting the Lord. He is doing things. And so we asked her if she could just write something for us that would just share what she's doing. So this is what she wrote. I am privileged to be part of the lives of young mothers struggling with addictions and substance use. And the Lord has been opening doors for sharing the hope I have in him. Entering another person's life involves walking into a sacred arena, listening and watching for what the triune God is saying and doing so we can cooperate with his pursuing love to that person. With increasing regularity these days, many are expressing to me their utter helplessness and hopelessness to combat the addictions destroying their lives. And they often tell me of Christ followers in their community who are sharing with them what Jesus alone can do. There are church programs, Christian rehab centers, pregnancy resource centers, celebrate recovery groups, even AA, that exposes them to the love and grace of God that reaches into the mess of our lives and lifts us out of the miry clay. My workplace is not Christian. It is a city-sponsored service. But my supervisor recently gave me permission to pray with the 15 moms I work with if they express interest. While I pray for them regularly in my own time, it is joy to pray with them in person, and they do ask. I pray for his grace to reach and rescue them, for their eyes to be on him alone, 
and the victory he has already accomplished for them, for his joy to be their strength and his unfailing love to bear them out of their affliction into the hope he is longing to give them. I am grateful for this journey and clinging to the amazing grace of God in working with some of the worst of self-inflicted human suffering. The Lord is daily reminder to me, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and persistent in prayer. Thank you, Katie. Father, we just come to you again, and we ask that your word would live in our hearts, that we would be able to walk in your truth with strength, foresight, understanding, and comprehension of what the conditions are and what is needed in our world. Holy Spirit of God, we just ask you to lead us to our particular world that we live in and rub shoulders with people who are in great need. May we be as those like the prophet Jeremiah points to the righteous living God who seeks a people for himself, that they may learn how to walk before you in your power by the spirit that you've given through the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lamb. Each of our lives, we know people like this. Lead us, teach us, use us, bless us to be a blessing to those around us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We've done two messages previously, and we have jumped through long chapters and picked out certain stopping points where we have focused and understood what the Lord would have us to understand concerning Jeremiah's prophecies. And our last point is the importance of the word of the Lord. That it not just be something that we perceive and we understand, but that we really know the purposes and the direction that the Lord would have us be as his people on the earth. So the word of the Lord is important, both Old Testament as well as New Testament. Many of us, and I'm saying us, because I've been overwhelmed sometimes in Bible reading. I want to just skip quickly through. Usually what I do is I read a Old Testament passage and a New Testament passage. And I tend to speed through the Old Testament in order to get to the goodies. <laughs> but you got to eat the vegetables and the spinach and all of those things that, oh, do I have to eat this, Mom, to get to the dessert? <laughs> and so Jeremiah happens to be one of those meaty kind of writings that you wonder, what is this? He just keeps repeating some statements, and you, I see some of you shaking your heads. <laughs> How many of you have read Jeremiah recently? There's quite a few honest people here. It, it is difficult to read through, particularly Jeremiah. 
even the minor prophets where it's kind of nebulous what their message is sometimes. Not true for all of them, but sometimes you're wondering, what is the context? What are they facing? But Jeremiah just seems to be, well, he's certainly more difficult than Isaiah to read through. I get lots of good stuff out of Isaiah or even Ezekiel. But Jeremiah? So as I was plowing through Jeremiah in my own reading, I thought, I've never preached from Jeremiah. And I'm doing a very poor job of it right now. And there's only three sessions that I have with you unless we extend a little bit longer and go back over and pick out some other things. And Katie and I have vowed that we will not do that. We're too old. We will not inflict ourselves upon you any longer. But bear with me today, okay? The word of God to Jeremiah was extremely important. Jeremiah shows us the patience and endurance of the Lord God toward a broken, disobedient people, namely Israel and Judah. His chosen ones, the ones he sought out and loved, and they slapped him in the face. And so was Jeremiah's start as a young man feeling the word of the Lord in his heart. And he had to speak out because of the gift that God had given. And he spoke straight off the shoulder, straight words to the people, and didn't put flowery things around them to make them feel good, but really went for the heart of what their problems were. And so Jeremiah spoke to a disobedient people, particularly those that had been chosen by the Lord. And many people have tried to take some of Jeremiah and kind of fit it into the New Testament. It does fit, but it can't be forced. It has to be that we understand the context of where Israel and Judah were. And they strayed. Even though when Jeremiah started out as about probably a 19-year-old, with another young man, a little bit older than him, Josiah, as the king, you thought, hey, this is a winning team. But it soon became obvious that Israel and Judah were not walking on the same pace as this believing king and this bold prophet. And that's how it is often in our situations. God will speak when we're into a very hard situation and he comes very close to us and speaks to our hearts as believers. Yes, I placed you in this workplace. I placed you in this hard place. Look to me. And in our situation, in your situation, with this COVID-19, with the job that you've got, or maybe you don't have, or it's put into a context that it really takes a, a new brain in order to be able to work through the Zoom or whatever medium that, that you use at your workplace. It is difficult. 
And Jeremiah, nonetheless, walked in that. Because when Josiah, his friend, died, then in came other kings that did not walk with the Lord. And Jeremiah was alone. Well, he, was, he had a God, a living God. But he was also alone. And he bore the burden of the nation and the nations. Because Israel and Judah had divided. Israel, in fact, was on the way out. And Judah was still remaining. In the face of immorality, decadence, blatant sin, and evil of all kinds, Jeremiah speaks in incredibly graphic ways. Jeremiah is known as the weeping prophet, and that's where I get my tears, I guess. For his heart's burden is for a lost people. God called Katie and I to Japan on the instruction that we received from those who had a burden for Japan. And many of you know them, the Brooks, who had a burden for Japan because it was lost, lost, lost in the face of all the mercy and grace that God had poured out on this land. In past generations of the word of God spreading throughout this land, but it was tamped down, pressed down, and called the graveyard of missionaries. And then the war came. And then more disaster came to this people. And missionaries after the war came. Not by boatloads. But many of them. And spread out throughout this land. And the church finally had a foothold. And there were many, many good and profitable and prospering results of their lives being laid down here in this land. And God gave us a love for Japan. And we still have that. And we thank the Lord for the privilege that we have had to spend 30 years, 30 plus years, serving here in various capacities. And we have loved it. And in fact, we hate to leave. And we're going to come back, Katie. We are coming back. <laughs> That's what we keep telling ourselves. But I'm sure Jeremiah thought that also, but he didn't go back. He passed away without ever seeing revival come to his people. But his sympathy and his care is tempered by very harsh and truthful examples and references to the decadence and sin of the people and God's judgment upon them. The writings of Jeremiah are not intended to be a devotional reading. Not in the least. Unless you can really see through what God is intending through the prophet. You won't go away with a warm feeling after reading through Jeremiah. The writings of Jeremiah are not devotional in intent or actuality. They call for repentance and turning to the true and living God for all people.
So we have first in chapter 15, 1 to 2. We'll look at that. And then a prayer in 15, chapter 15, and then in chapter 31. By the way, 15 and 31 give us context or an understanding of the purpose and the intent of Jeremiah. So you have to read through 14 chapters before you really get to, why am I reading this book? But in those two key chapters, 15 and 31, there's turning points or lights that come on for us to understand what the purposes are for this incredible prophecy, which is relevant to us today in our world. And there are many parallels, although much of Jeremiah is written for those people. Yes, we can say, okay, this was the principle that God used here, and I see that he can use it for us today, and that's what the purpose is. Do you understand what I'm talking about, or am I explaining that clearly? That's what Jeremiah is for, for us today. For those people that were living in it, those believers, those true followers, they understood it. They were dealing with that in their lives. We have to look back and see the principles of how that applies to our life today. And there are many. And it becomes more and more relevant that Jeremiah is really a parallel or a, an opportunity for us to draw upon so that we know how to live as the people called out to be his people in our day and age. So I would encourage you to delve into this book for yourself. And don't be embarrassed to scribble on your, to underline your Bibles. When you find a jewel, look at it, look at it in context, and then say, Lord, what can I gain from this so that I may be as a Jeremiah to the people I rub shoulders with? Katie just gave me a heads up that I'm running out of time, and I am, but I'm going to force this. Let's just read these together. Well, I'll, I'll read them for us. Then the Lord said to me, even though Moses and Samuel were to stand before me, my heart would not be with this people. Send them away from my presence and let them go. What do you think Jeremiah did with that? Let's read on. And it shall be that when they say to you, where should we go? Then you are to tell them, this is hard. Thus says the Lord, those destined for death, to death. Those destined to the sword, to the sword. And those destined for famine, to famine. And those destined to captivity, captivity. How many judgments are there there? Four. What does she mean in Japanese? Ichi ni san she. When we first came to Japan, 
You know, I think it was a little while after we had come to Tokyo, or at least we were someplace where there was a, a tall building and we had to get into an elevator. And I think I said to the family, uh, I think it's on the fourth floor. So we got in the elevator. There was no fourth floor. Oh, they must skip by that because it's uh, somebody's private residence or something. And then we learned, no, there is no fourth floor in Japan. It may be 20 stories high, but on the elevator, it goes one, two, three, five, six, seven, eight. But now they have fourth floors. When did that revolution start? But why? Because of the power of these words of death, the sword, famine, captivity. Let's get rid of she, superstitious, you might say, but actuality in the heart of Japan. Fear of man. People would ask us, how come there's shooting in San Francisco or L.A. in America? It's a God-fearing country. And here in Japan, we don't have killings on the street. But they're Christian and we're not. And I had the opportunity to talk to many university students and saying, yes, I've wondered about that, except for one thing that I've come into a realization. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. That is the truth. But the fear of man is a snare. In Japan, we fear one another. In America, we did fear God. And it was a nation that sent many, many believers out to many nuns. Second point in Jeremiah 15, 15 to 16. You who know, O Lord, remember me. Take notice of me and take vengeance for me of my persecutors. Do not, in view of your patience, take me away. Know that for your sake I endure reproach. Your words were found and I ate them. And your words became for me a joy and a delight in my heart. For I have been called by your name. O Lord God of hosts. Can you hear Jeremiah's heart? Can you understand where he is? Standing alone among God's chosen people and yet understanding and hearing from God the conditions that he had to face as a prophet. And it broke his heart. Jeremiah is a model of the Japanese church and the Japanese believers. And I extend to you a challenge. Look at your calling whether you're a gaijin here in this country or a Japanese citizen with years and years of experience with your own people, knowing that this is a people 
that it is not easy to sit down with them and say, Mom and Dad, I believe in Jesus Christ. And I'm going to be baptized. No, you're not. You stay in your room and do not leave it. You are not going to be baptized. You're not to go to school. You're not to associate with those people in your class. We heard those kind of stories. What is it in baptism that sparks that here in Japan? It's a serious situation. Of course, you know, we moved to baptismal down here on this floor because I love baptisms in Japan. Well, that wasn't the only reason why we did, but it sure made my heart glad to have it right here. And if you have not been baptized, we would urge you to really understand what it means to be dead in Christ and alive unto God. To be in that place of identifying with Jesus Christ as he walked on earth as a prophet, as a king, and as a priest. And that's what we are. That's what we are called as believers in the word of God. And that's what we need to do with our families. Why aren't there more Christian families who have a Christian living with them? in their home, perhaps even a husband or a wife. Why aren't we giving testimony as witnesses to our relatives of what we know and understand and found to be the truth? Jeremiah's statement in 16, I'll just read again, verse 16. Your words were found and I ate them. I took them into myself and they became part of me. And your words became for me a joy and a delight in my heart. For I have been called by your name, O Lord, God of hosts. And I'm at third point. In Jeremiah 31. Behold, days are coming, declares the Lord, so I will watch over them to build and to plant, declares the Lord. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Not like the covenant which I made with their fathers in the day I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant which they broke, although I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. And then in the latter part of 31, but this is the covenant which I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them and on their heart I will write it and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Drink that in. I think we can receive that and the context of that and the truth of that for our day to day. That is what happens when we embrace Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord of our lives. That is what's happening to us. 
and they will not teach again each man his brother, saying, Know the Lord. For they will all know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them, declares the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and their sin I will remember no more. Those are words we can take home with us. We can walk in those things because they became a reality to us. And Jesus Christ walked that way and fulfilled it as the Lamb of God that takes away the sin, the drag, the condemnation of sin in our lives. And we can stand tall in a nation who may scoff, they may avoid, they may even do us harm. But we stand on the ground and belief of what Jeremiah professed here. A decree, a prayer, and the covenant. Those things are important to us. The soul that sins, it will die, is the decree. A prayer, Lord, save your people. You know who they are. Bring them to yourself. Show yourself to them. And a covenant that those who come and recognize the shed blood of Jesus Christ for them will be rejoicing and will know and understand the freedom that there is in being a little Christ. Because that's what Christian means. You're a Christian. Yes, but nothing like him, but yet like him. Because I am a little Christ. Christian. Chan. <laughs> Bless the Lord, 